everyone, this is Morgan Brady here. Today, through the analysis of some of my favorite female protagonists, fictional or otherwise, I'm going to give my very best attempt at defining and analyzing a trait that we all wish we had. Resiliency. Humanity does not come with a rule book. It comes flooded with challenge and despair, but lacks guidelines as to how to handle life. How do we navigate times of trouble? How do we move past a loss? For the centuries that humans have existed on Earth, we've not been able to come up with a concrete answer. The closest we can get is to say that one has to be resilient. But with the solution comes another wave of unanswered questions. What is resilience? What qualifies it? How do you attain it? Once again, there is no one answer. The closest we can get is this. Resiliency is different for everyone depending on their specific circumstances. Recently, I've had the privilege to watch grief researcher and motivational speaker Lucy Hone's TED Talk on the qualities of resilient people. In this 15-minute speech, Hone manages to completely reshape my view on resiliency and what it requires in order to be resilient. I had always naively believed that in order for someone to be resilient, they had to push down their emotions and live basically, as a robot. Because this is nearly impossible for humans, I thought that resiliency was rare and difficult to express. I've never been happier to be wrong. In her analysis of resilience, Hone defines three characteristics that all resilient people have. To begin, they accept that bad things are going to happen. They're inevitable and not targeted in the slightest. One does not deserve or not deserve bad events. Tragedy does not discriminate. Hone suggests, instead of having the mindset of why me, to instead think why not me, as this is a more accurate outlook on life. Second, Hone encourages her audience to prioritize what they are going to focus their energy on. Citing her own experience of the loss of her daughter versus caring for her two remaining sons, Hone focuses herself on being a mother to her sons. Similarly, those who are resilient must also decide what they are going to focus their energy on. Humans are limited and can only process so much information at once, so they must choose their focuses and their worries. In order to help make this decision, Hone introduces her last trait. Analyze your actions and decide if they're helping you. If they're not, put a stop to them. Hone recommends, rather than focusing on grief, to instead find a way to focus on the positive aspects of life. She admits that humans are hardwired to focus on the negative aspects of life, but posits that it is possible to make particular note of the good. These revelations, though simple, still managed to blow my mind. I can't believe that resilience was condensed into three easy steps, into such an analytical and logical process, void of harmful emotions which could inhibit recovery. They're subjective and factual without bias, so I think they're an excellent way to measure other cases of resiliency, especially in the case of Tara Westover. Tara Westover was born in Idaho in 1986 to an extreme survivalist family. Leaving a strict Mormon lifestyle as dictated by her father, Tara hardly knows of the world beyond her mountain. In her mind, as taught to her by her father, it's full of communist sinners that want to brainwash people into straying from the Mormon path. That is, until her brother Tyler breaks away from the Westover mold and goes to college. He brings back with him news of a world full of knowledge, enrapturing Tara. She decides that she, too, will make it to the outside, educated world. However, she can't go without a fight. Though her family is unhappy, Tara's able to take the ACT and to attend Brigham Young University with little fuss. It's when Tara moves on to post-undergrad education that her family begins to take serious issue with her actions, and she begins to take serious issue with her family. Tara describes it in the way that, as she moves closer to the mainstream, her family retreats more into their unorthodox ways. As Tara is exposed to new ideas, 
histories, religions, and worldviews, her perspective is expanding. Although she struggles with redefining her view of the world, Tara's main struggle is within herself. She doesn't know if she should stay with her family, who, in their unorthodox ways, claim that they're right and everyone else is wrong, or if she should embrace the outside world, which, though dangerous, has a place for all opinions and beliefs and allows each one person to form their own. Tara struggles to decide between the two, going so far as to have a mental breakdown and major depressive episode, finding herself running out into the street and screaming in her sleep and unable to do anything while she's awake. She falls enormously behind in her PhD studies, unable to focus on anything else but her internal conflict. Eventually, her family makes her decision for her. Tara struggles all her life with abuse from her older brother, to whom she gave the pseudonym Sean in order to protect his privacy, which is more than most would have done. When Tara finds that her older sister Audrey suffers the same physical, mental, and emotional abuse, she goes to her mother, revealing all the terrible things Sean has done to her and Audrey over the years. At the time, her mother believed her and agreed that Sean needs help. However, once Tara's father and Sean hear of Tara's revelation, they manipulate the story in Sean's favor, accusing Tara of trying to hurt her brother. They even manipulate Tara's mother and sister to the point where they claim no abuse ever even took place and that Tara is completely at fault because she's lying. Her mother and sister turn against her, her father never believes her, and Sean even threatens to kill her. Despite this extremely toxic and even dangerous environment, the true breaking point for Tara is when her parents show up to her door while she is in college and try to heal her from the demon that has attached itself to her, that demon being modernity and education. Tara has a decision to make. She knows she could have her father heal her and everything could go back to normal, but she also knows what normal means to her, a lifetime of danger and abuse. So Tara says no, and in that, breaks away from her family permanently. In order to take Chutz a step away from her family, Tara had to have a strong sense of her own morals and beliefs. Belief is a large part of Tara's life. Her PhD thesis is even over the different beliefs that people hold and how they're formed. So, in order to break away from her family, she has to know what she believes for herself and what's important to her and cling to that, even putting it over her family if that means her own well-being will be preserved. In doing this, Tara expresses no small amount of resiliency. If we measure her by home standards, she's nearly a perfect example of it. She accepts that bad things will happen. She knows leaving for college and breaking away from her family would be catastrophic, but she does so anyway because she knows that for her survival, she has to. She assesses her priorities. For a time, Tara struggles to handle her family and school, which are polar opposites of one another. However, once she reaches the breaking point from her family, she soars above and beyond in her education, attending both Cambridge and Harvard, respectively. Finally, she realizes that being around her family is what is harming her health, whereas she thrived in an academic environment, so she goes on her own, leaving Buck's Peak permanently. Since making these three choices, Tara, of course, still faces adversity. However, had she not let her grievances go and not allowed herself to become determined to move on, she would have remained in Buck's Peak to live a dangerous life and raise children in exactly the same manner in which she was raised, continuing the vicious cycle. As many know, my love for Princess Diana and passion for her story are immense, so of course I see her as perhaps the greatest example of resiliency. She marries into the royal family at only 19 and is immediately thrust into a world that she was in no way prepared for, both internal and external. Externally, Diana is constantly stalked and hounded by the press, never allowed to have an unpublicized moment. 
Privately, to the scrutiny of the media, Diana feels immense pressure but has little no support from her new family, least of all from her dog of a husband, Prince Charles of Wales. Due to the lack of support and sometimes verbal abuse and her neglect from Charles, Diana is left in emotional turmoil. She struggles heavily from bulimia, which the royal machine blamed her failing marriage on. They never stopped to consider that her bulimia was an effect of the disastrous marriage. Due to a desperation to be seen by Charles, Diana attempts suicide multiple times. When she finally receives the help she needs, Diana soon divorces Charles and thrives on her own within her humanitarian work until her untimely death is caused by the unrelenting media. Diana, just like Tara, is a perfect example of Holland's pillars of resilience. To begin, she had to keep her sense of self about her. If she lost who she was, she could have become as vile as other members of the royal institution. She knows she married into the royal family for a reason. Her constant mantra was, I'm here for a reason. And so she is sure that whatever happens to her, bad or otherwise, is to be expected. In other words, she accepts that bad things will indeed happen to her, and that she's just as likely a candidate as anyone else, if not more so. Instead of focusing on her grievances, Diana throws herself into caring for her children as well as her humanitarian and activist work, always advocating for those who couldn't do so for themselves. She finds a priority or priorities and focuses on it. Although this tough period of her life, Diana struggles to put herself first. However, as she comes, somewhat comes out of the foggy haze that is depression, Diana does what is best for her and leaves behind anything that isn't. She divorces her husband, focuses on her children, heals from her eating disorder, values her life, and allows herself to move on. By taking these important steps, Diana becomes a portrait of resiliency and still remains to be so. As a final example of true resiliency, we're going to delve into another love of mine, the series A Court of Thorns and Roses by author Sarah J. Mass. In this loose Beauty and the Beast retelling, there are many journeys of self-development told, but one of the most striking to me is the main character, Feyre's journey to accepting herself. That the series starts out with Farah as a starving woman, the sole provider of her family. As she breaks boundary laws between the lands of the human and the supernatural, Farah is forced to go to the mystical world of Prithian by the High Lord Tamlin. In Prithian, humans are looked down upon at best. As Farah learns more of the world around her and of Tamlin, she learns that he and his court are cursed by the evil queen Amarantha, who, when jilted by Tamlin, took her revenge. Farah journeys to Amarantha's realm intending to break the curse, when instead, she's captured and forced to face trials to break the curse. In the last of these trials, Farah is forced to kill innocents. After the curse is lifted and Amarantha is killed, conditions go back to normal. But Farah struggles to face herself. This, coupled with a growingly abusive Tamlin, makes Farah crumble. Farah is rescued from Tamlin by the supposedly evil High Lord Rhys, and in meeting him in his inner circle, Farah comes to terms with what she's done, the good and the bad, and slowly learns her value and her strength. This leads Farah to carry out a peaceful life, going on to marry Rhys and become close with his family, which becomes hers, and eventually starting a family of her own with him. Farah even helps her sisters, who, like her, have much to come to terms with in Perithian, grow into self-accepting women as well. Farah does a wonderful job of living out Hone's qualities of resilience. Not only does she boost and accept her self-esteem, but she also accepts what she's done and knows that in committing her crimes, she also saved millions. She focuses her efforts on rebuilding herself and defending Prithian in the upcoming war. She stops torturing herself over the trials and over the guilt she faces when leaving Tamlin, allowing herself to exist as she wants, making her as resilient as she could be. 
With every good example of any premise, there is an anti-example as well. In the case of resiliency, we see this in the tragic story of Anna Karenina. Anna, upon meeting the dashing Count Vronsky, begins to cheat on her husband, Alexei. However, when this draws attention, Anna nearly refuses to recognize anyone's concern, even that of her own husband. She wishes to live both lives simultaneously. Upon seeing this impossibility, Anna chooses Vronsky, whose child she's carrying. Although all is right in the world for a moment, Anna's life soon starts crumbling as she loses her social status, is barred from seeing her son Seryozha, who she serves with Alexei, and her relationship with Vronsky begins failing. Desolate, Anna is led to suicide. While I don't blame Anna for her suicide, I do blame her for the situation she's put in that led her to it. Anna is completely selfish. She believes she can do whatever she wants and face no consequences, leaving her to have a why me attitude towards all her suffering. She tries, unsuccessfully, to live a double life, never focusing on one or the other, and essentially has a tantrum when she can't do both. She realizes that her actions are hurting both herself and those around her, but refuses to stop them, leaving her to be a completely helpless victim of her own situation. Lucy Home would be disappointed. As seen within these stories of female resiliency, or lack thereof, while there's no one trait that someone must have to be resilient, they must all find something to ground themselves to reality and keep them going, so to speak. For Tara, it was her morals. For Diana, it was her sense of self. For Farah, it was her self-esteem and helping others. For Anna's failure, it was her complete disassociation from the real world, never focusing on any one thing. No matter the qualities possessed beforehand, in grounding themselves, these women then allow themselves to own the qualities posited by Hone. They accept the world around them and themselves, which Hone defines as accepting the truth that things will happen, focusing on one's energy on their priorities, and letting go of harmful habits. Resilience, though seemingly complicated, can be quite simple. Find something to cling to and allow yourself to move forward.